0: Well, friends, the bulk of our scripture today comes from the early chapters of Genesis. These chapters tell the story of creation of the earth and its creatures, including humanity, and the downward spiral of humanity into sin, violence, and destruction, following the refusal of Adam and Eve to honor the limits that God had placed upon them. We usually hear the stories of Adam and Eve, of Cain and Abel, of Noah and his family as separate tales, Uh, but today we're going to trace the story as a single narrative of creation and destruction, of alienation and restoration, and of the fateful choices that each generation faces in its own time. We pick up the story this morning following the expulsion of the first couple from the Garden of Eden. Our translations today are from the Common English Bible, so let us listen for the Word of God.
1: A reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verses 1 to 12, and 15b to 16. The man Adam knew his wife Eve intimately. She became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She gave birth a second time to Cain's brother, Abel. Abel cared for the flocks, and Cain farmed the fertile land. Some time later, Cain presented an offering to the Lord from the land's crops, while Abel presented his flock's oldest offspring with their fat. The Lord looked favorably on Abel and his sacrifice, but didn't look favorably on Cain and his sacrifice. Cain became very angry and looked resentful. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why do you look so resentful? If you do the right thing, won't you be accepted? But if you don't do the right thing, sin will be waiting at the door ready to strike. It will entice you, but you must rule over it. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. When they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. The Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Cain said, I don't know, am I my brother's guardian? The Lord said, what did you do? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. You are now cursed from the ground that opened its mouth to take your brother's blood from your hand. When you farm the fertile land, it will no longer grow anything for you, and you will become a roving nomad on the earth. The Lord put a sign on Cain so that no one who found him would assault him. Cain left the Lord's presence and he settled down in the land of Nod east of Eden.
0: Good morning. I want to thank your pastor and your green team for giving me the opportunity to preach for your Earth Sunday service this year. And I want to begin by congratulating you on all that you are doing to help Mother Earth save us from ourselves. In particular, I have to thank you for giving me the chance to say something I never thought I'd say in church. Soil your undies. On Wednesday, Pastor Jenny and I were texting about today's service. And she told me Katie was going to be introducing the Soil Your Undies project during the children's time. And as we were texting back and forth about that, she admitted that she didn't know exactly where the undies were going to be buried, but she knew they were already buried somewhere. And I texted back, don't worry about finding out exactly where the undies are buried at the church. And that's a sentence I never thought I would write. I must be getting old because I find myself wanting to say, back in my day, soil and underwear were two things we never mentioned in church. But in all seriousness, what you are doing gives me hope. The Community Carbon Initiative of Eco-Faith Recovery that you're undertaking, and the Soil Your Undies Project that's connecting urban churches like yours with farming and ranching communities across North America, gives me hope. And it might surprise you to learn that what you are doing is both deeply religious and biblical. In fact, it's faithful to the first command God gave human beings in the second creation story. People are usually more familiar with the Bible's first creation story in Genesis 1, where God commands the first humans to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. But despite their ordering in our Bible, the very different creation story that we get in Genesis 2 actually comes from a much older strand of the Hebrew tradition. And though it sounds kind of like a folk tale, it's much more profound than that. The Common English Bible translation renders the Hebrew in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, this way. The Lord God took the human and settled him in the Garden of Eden to farm it and to take care of it. Or as another translation renders it, to serve and conserve it. So according to Genesis two, the first human vocation was the vocation to cultivate and to conserve the fertile earth. But it's even deeper than that. Humans are not only created to farm and take care of the earth. We were literally created from the earth. Perhaps you already know the Hebrew wordplay in Genesis two that God sculpted Adam the human being, from Adama, the fertile soil. And into the adam, God breathes God's breath. And out of the soil of the earth and the breath of God's life, every other creature was also made. We and all other living beings are soil and breath, earth and spirit, kin to one another. And our first and most important job is to preserve this incredible world God created. Now, it would be great if the story just ended there with Genesis 2. But we know that's not the end of the story. We know that when the first human beings were not willing or able to honor the limit God placed on them, And transgressed by eating the forbidden fruit, they lost the garden. They lost their paradise home. And worse yet, they found that their job had gotten a lot harder. The soil would no longer produce for them as easily as it had before. Now, pleasurable work had become hard labor. And perhaps worse still, enmity and jealousy and alienation between Adam, the first human, and Eve, the woman who in this story was created from Adam's side, had intruded into their relationship. And relationships between people, between humans and animals, and even between humans and God, were all broken, alienated, and disturbed. The scripture passage that we just heard about Cain's murderous jealousy and fatal attack on his brother Abel alerts us to the fact that almost from our beginnings, humans have struggled with the dilemmas that still plague us. Violence, othering, and destruction of our life-giving earth. So it's no surprise that our world is still full of Cain's and Abel's of perpetrators and victims, oppressors and oppressed. The developments that have gripped us all this week in the George Floyd murder trial, and thank God they got it right this time. And in the unbearably frequent news of more police killings of black children and adults are evidence that we still dwell east of Eden in exile from the paradise God intended for us to enjoy and preserve. But what's often been hidden and is only now becoming clear is that our problems with human injustice and oppression and our problems with ecological destruction are inseparably linked. The biblical writers knew what has taken modern people centuries to rediscover, harm people And you harm the earth, wound the earth, and humans bleed. Did you realize that earth herself is a character in the Bible, especially in these first chapters of Genesis? Adama, the earth, is not just a source and a resource for life. Adama herself is a living being who responds to human action. As our indigenous elders have been trying to teach us, Adama truly is our mother earth. Let's take a look at the story we just heard from Genesis 4. Did you notice what God says to Cain when he denies killing his brother? What did you do, God demands? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. You are now cursed from the ground that opened its mouth to take your brother's blood from your hand. And because Cain violated the earth in this way, God banishes Cain entirely from the fertile soil. The earth will no longer produce anything for him. And he is driven into what we might today call a completely barren desert that's lost all of its topsoil. And notice Cain's response. My punishment is more than I can bear. Now that you've driven me away from the fertile land and I am hidden from your presence, I'm going to become a roving nomad on the earth. You see, when Cain loses his connection with the soil, he also loses his connection with God. Isn't that amazing? The biblical writers knew what we're just rediscovering, that God's presence fills, indwells the living earth. And when we destroy the earth, we are alienating ourselves from our creator God. And of course, that is exactly what we're doing. I don't need to cite all the facts and figures to you. I know that you know We are shredding the life systems of our planet more rapidly than they can repair themselves. You know that our time is running out to prevent catastrophic climate change and species extinctions. What you and I need now is not more facts. We need hope and a way out, a way forward into a different future, and perhaps a way back. To rec- reclaim our God given vocation to take care of our earth and to live in harmony with all living beings.
1: Excerpts from Genesis, chapters 4 to 8. Cain built a city and named the city after his son Enoch. Ired was born to Enoch. Ired fathered Mehujael. Mehujael fathered Methushael, and Methushael fathered Lamech. When Lamech was 182 years old, he became the father of a son and named him Noah, saying, This one will give us relief from our hard work, from the pain in our hands, because of the fertile land that the Lord cursed. As time passed, God saw that humanity had become thoroughly evil on the earth, and that every idea their minds thought up was always completely evil. God regretted making human beings on the earth, and God was heartbroken. So the Lord said, I will wipe off of the land, the human race that I've created from human beings to livestock, to the crawling things, to the birds in the skies, because I regret I ever made them. But as for Noah, the Lord approved of him. And God said to Noah, I am now bringing the floodwaters over the earth to destroy everything under the sky that breathes. But I will set up my covenant with you. You will go into the ark together with your sons your wife and your son's wives from all living things from all creatures you are to bring a pair into the ark and with keep them alive noah did everything exactly as god commanded him the flood waters covered the earth for 40 days after the flood subsided god spoke to noah go out of the ark with your family bring out with you all the animals of every kind so that they may populate the earth, be fertile and multiply on the earth. So Noah and his family went out of the ark. All the animals, all the birds, and everything crawling on the ground came out of the ark by their families. Noah built an altar to the Lord. He took some of the clean large animals and some of the clean birds and placed entirely burned offerings on the altar. God smelled the pleasing scent and thought, I will not curse the fertile land anymore because of human beings, since the ideas of the human mind are evil from their youth. I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. As long as the earth exists, seed time and harvest, cold and hot, summer and autumn, day and night will not cease.
0: I want to begin the second part of my sermon by acknowledging we all have a little bit of Cain in us. Well, maybe more than a little bit. Cain doesn't only show up in the Derek Chauvin's of the world. Life is much more complicated than that. Five days before George Floyd was brutally murdered, my mom died. Thank God I was able to be with her in her last days so, I was in her home in Houston, still reeling from her death, when the no- news broke about George Floyd. I vividly remember this moment when I was standing in the kitchen watching the news coverage, torn between the need to absorb this national tragedy and the desire to just retreat into my own cocoon of private grief. And I was in the middle of going through some things in my mom's kitchen and beginning to think about what I would keep and what I would let go of. And at one point in the aftermath of of this horrific news about George Floyd, I, I opened a cabinet and I found my mom's commemorative glasses, drinking glasses of the 1893 Cherokee Strip Run. Now, if you haven't heard of it, the Cherokee Strip Run was the largest and most famous land race ever held in the U.S., when over 8 million acres that had been Cherokee Nation territory was opened to white settlement, paving the way for the state of Oklahoma. Well, both of my mother's grandfathers participated in the Cherokee Strip Run, and they carved out farms from the prairie soil. Not only were the Cherokees robbed of their land through this land run, but 40 years later, farming practices of white settlers like my great grandparents brought about the greatest environmental disaster in US history, the Dust Bowl. Staring at those drinking glasses reminded me that my own family was intimately involved in the systems of white supremacy that we are still fighting to this day. You don't have to look far to find a cane in your family closet. But here's the good news. We all have Noah in our heart and history too. Noah, the first promise keeper, the first one God calls righteous, the first one who truly fulfills humanity's God-given vocation to serve and conserve the earth and all its life forms. The story of Noah and the ark of life that survived the great flood reminds us that God never gives up on God's creation. And the revival of life on a destroyed planet reminds us that the earth's resilience and God's faithfulness can save us yet again, but only if we step up and partner with God and Mother Earth and pick up Noah's mantle to keep the ark of life afloat. Well, did you notice that when Noah was born, he was named Noah because through him, God would relieve the earth from its primeval curse because the name Noah means to bring relief. God makes good on that promise after the flood when he receives Noah's offering and makes the rainbow covenant with the whole creation promising never again to destroy the earth. So God and the earth are doing their part. But in this new Anthropocene epic that scientists tell us we're entering, when humans have become as powerful as a geological or cosmic force, Mother Earth needs new Noahs to help her help us. And one way we can help. to go all the way back to our first vocation to serve the soil. Soil. Oh, what we are learning about the soil. You know, I learned from the Natural Resources Conservation Service webpage, which sponsors the Soil Your Undies initiative, that in one teaspoon of soil, there are more microbes than all the human beings that live on the planet, one teaspoon of healthy soil. The soil is not just the stuff we walk on or even the stuff we plant crops in. The soil is alive. And if we just stop destroying it, it has the power to save us from ourselves. Soil itself has the power to store massive amounts of carbon, to draw greenhouse gases down out of the atmosphere, and significantly slow global warming, but we have to act fast. According to the United Nations, we will lose all our fertile topsoil within 60 years if we continue with business as usual. That's 60 more harvests, folks. But we have time if we act now to reverse these trends. Best news I can give you today is that it is not yet too late. So in closing, I wanna share with you a, a story from a film I highly recommend that you watch. It's called Kiss the Ground and you can find it on Netflix. One story in that film completely blew me away. It's a story of a scientist named John Liu who was invited to partner with Chinese scientists and peasants to restore the Los Plateau, the cradle of Chinese civilization. By 1994, It was the most eroded place on earth, a truly lifeless moonscape. But they got to work using soil restoration practices. And by 2009, it was transformed. 14,000 square miles had been turned into lush farmland and hundreds of millions of people were lifted out of poverty. Watch the film, you have to see it to believe it. And in the film, Lou says, human beings emerged in paradise. If we restore all the degraded land on the earth, we can return to paradise. If we start now to build a restoration economy, a regeneration economy, this is the way forward. To see a stream return and flow, to bring back these fertile flows, to see biodiversity return to a place that was completely devastated, this is where everyone can find tremendous satisfaction. John Liu is a modern day Noah. Greta Thunberg is a modern day Noah. And so are you. Thank you, Lake Oswego UCC, for planning your carbon garden with eco-faith recovery. Thank you for soiling your undies Go outside and plant something in your own yard or garden. Together, we can build the earth ark that will carry us through the flood. Amen.